0: Good morning! Uh, It's Sunday the 6th of September and welcome to our virtual service online from St John's. Uh, If you have been away welcome back, Uh, if you're going away please take care Uh, and if you're uh, settling back into school then trust that our prayers are with you. If you're visiting uh, for the first time then do uh, make contact and uh, let us know how things are going for you in any way uh, that we may be able to help. As we begin our time together this morning, want to turn to the, the psalm 146 praise the lord O my soul praise the lord i will praise the lord all my life i will sing praise to my god as long as i live do not put your trust in princes in mortal men who cannot save when their spirit departs they return to the ground On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Father, as we gather this morning, as we seek to understand just who you are and what you are able to do and why, we pray that you would be with us. Give us peace in our hearts. May your spirit join us in our rooms, in our homes, in our services. And may we know that we have met with you, the ever-living God, our Saviour. Amen.
1: This morning's reading is from Acts chapter three, starting at verse 11. Peter speaks to the onlookers. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob The God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses to this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you, by turning each of you from your wicked ways. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Good morning. Thank you Anne very much for reading and let me add my welcome to St John's this morning. If you're new to us please do get in contact either by using the Contact Us feature of our website, that's stjohnsouthbourne.com or by emailing us at admin at com. It would be great to hear from you. If you've got a Bible to hand, it would be very helpful to have it open at Acts chapter three, as I plan to refer to that passage during the talk. Before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful book of the Acts of the Apostles. As we see how your plan to call to yourself a new people, your church, is put into action. Thank you for calling us together to be your witnesses here in Southbourne and in the surrounding area, and also further afield through the use of technology. Strengthen our understanding of your purposes and your plan, we pray. Bring joy and gladness to our hearts as we witness more and more people being brought into your kingdom. Equip, inspire, and enable us to play our part in this, for the honour and glory of your name. We ask this in the name of your Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the title for this morning's talk is I wonder where healing comes from. And we're continuing our, in our series in Acts this morning, looking at Acts chapter three, verses 11 to 26. And that's the passage which follows the healing of the lame beggar, which David Porter spoke about Uh, two weeks ago. If you didn't hear his talk, it's very much worth listening to. Uh, Do please find it uh, through our YouTube channel or uh, on our website. Uh, Recall that the lame beggar was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful to be placed there in order to beg for money from those going to the temple at the time of prayer. He was miraculously healed in the name of Jesus as he was talking with Peter and John And for the first time ever, he was able to go into the temple courts completely healed and jumping, rejoicing and praising God. This morning's passage is the talk which Peter gave to the astonished onlookers as they marveled at the miraculous healing of this beggar, whom virtually everyone in the temple would have recognized. Before we dive into the passage and consider applications, I'd like to highlight what I believe to be one of the key contrasts which Luke sets up for us in this passage. Note that the lame beggar has a physical disability, which Luke will go on to show has been physically healed by Jesus' power. In contrast to this, the onlookers, all the other people mentioned in this account, have a serious spiritual disability, which needs urgent attention with the application of spiritual healing from Jesus being the only solution to that. In fact, the lame beggar also had this serious spiritual disability, and Jesus dealt with this at the same time as his external physical disability. So the lame beggar is completely healed, as we read in verse 16. So as we go through the passage, do keep a look out for what Peter says about the spiritual situation of all the onlookers, and what actions they need to take to receive healing. Let me suggest three main points coming out of this passage, and they are. Number one, Jesus is God's Messiah, God's Anointed One. Second point is, all people everywhere have rejected God. And the third point is, Jesus offers spiritual healing to all who repent and come to God. So let's dive straight into the first point and see what Peter has to say about Jesus being God's Messiah, his anointed one. As the people gather in astonishment following the healing of the lame beggar, Peter questions why they're surprised at this healing. He immediately attributes responsibility away from himself and John, clearly stating that it's not their power or godliness which has enabled the man to walk. Instead, he gives full credit to God and to Jesus. We see this from verse 13. Notice how he refers to God, to the God of their fathers, the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has glorified his servant Jesus. He is clearly inviting these God-fearing Jews to think back to Genesis, where God made his amazing promises to bless the Jewish people and also the whole world through them. Also, the rest, a reference to Jesus as God's servant would recall the suffering servant spoken about in the prophet Isaiah. So in one short phrase, Peter has succeeded in linking Jesus with the promises to the patriarchs and the prophecy of Isaiah that the Messiah would be a suffering servant. Further on, Peter refers to Jesus in verse 14 as the Holy and Righteous One, which is a clear statement of Jesus' divinity. No mere man could be called holy and righteous in this way. Peter is clearly claiming that Jesus is divine, in line with Jesus' own claims during his ministry. In the next verse, Peter calls Jesus the author of life, which again underlines Jesus as divine, being present and active at the time of creation when the first life was given. This reminds us of the first chapter of John's Gospel. The phrase, in him was life, springs to mind. Also in this verse, Peter emphasises Jesus' resurrection, which God accomplished and of which Peter, John and the other disciples were witnesses. Later on, Peter makes it clear that Jesus is the Messiah as he mentions Jesus' sufferings, Precisely as prophesied about, the Messiah in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53. It's also stated in verse 20, and I quote, that He may send the Messiah who has been promised to you, even Jesus. In the following verse, He states that heaven must receive Jesus until the final restoration as prophesied, that is, Jesus' second coming. In verse 22, Peter makes it clear that Jesus is the prophet whom Moses referred to in Deuteronomy chapter 18, someone who is greater than Moses and who will require all God's people to listen to him, or otherwise they will be cut off from God's people. And finally, in verses 24 to 26, Peter tells the onlookers that all the prophets have been looking forward to the coming of Jesus that this brings about the fulfilment of the covenant which God made with their forefathers, and that the coming of Jesus achieves the promise of eternal blessing to all peoples on earth. The whole picture which Peter paints is very clear. He builds a wide ranging and cast iron argument that Jesus is God's Messiah, his anointed king and ruler. Who has been sent into the world." So that is our first point. Jesus is God's Messiah, God's anointed one. Let's look at the second point, which is that all people everywhere have rejected God. Peter pulls no punches. This can be nothing other than the work of God's Holy Spirit, giving him the boldness and clarity to put this as he does. Look with me at the second half of verse 13, and I quote, you handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. There's not a lot of sugar coating on those statements, is there? Peter bluntly puts the responsibility for Jesus' death on all those listening. They handed him over to the Roman authorities with the express request that Jesus be killed. They rejected Pilate's offer to release Jesus and instead asked for a convicted murderer, Barabbas, to be released. Note the sharp contrast between Jesus as the author of life and all the murderous and deadly intentions of people. This prompts us to pause and look around our world today. How are people responding to Jesus right now? What is their reaction to God's anointed King, his Messiah? Do they stop to listen, learn, and jump to obey? Do they give him their attention and seek to honor him? The reality is that nothing has changed. Our world is full of those who ignore, reject, sidestep, vilify or deny the existence of God's Messiah. We live in a world which is full of injustice, corruption, fake news, illegal government actions such as poisoning opponents, miscarriages of justice, murder, violence, etc. If Peter surveyed our newspapers or news websites today and was looking for evidence that things 2,000 years later have changed, I think he'd be seriously disappointed. If anything, our technological advances have made it possible for evil and injustice to expand all the more. Think of cyber attacks, the prevalence of fraud, online pornography. Government surveillance, etc. etc. So, our second point applied not only then to those first century people, but continues to apply to us all today. All people everywhere have rejected God. So, let's look at our third point, which is that Jesus offers spiritual healing to all who repent and come to God. Let me repeat that. Jesus offers spiritual healing to all who repent and come to God. Peter turns to what actions the people need to take in the light of the gospel in verses 17 and following. While they're still responsible for their actions, he acknowledges that they acted in ignorance as did their leaders. So what action does Peter urge them, and indeed us, to take? It's there in verse 19 and following. We are to repent and turn to God. Note that repentance has a number of aspects. The word requires us to turn away and walk the other way, to do a 180 degree turn. I think there are a number of elements to this. Let me suggest the following. Firstly, intellectual repentance. We need to know that our actions are wrong. Secondly, emotional repentance. We need to hate the wrong which we've done. Thirdly, volitional repentance. We need to want to change. We need to want to be different and to stop sinning. And fourthly, spiritual repentance. We need to turn to Jesus in faith, knowing and believing that he can and does forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we will confess those sins. So how does this spiritual healing work? What can we expect as we turn to the Lord God for healing? Peter highlights three things in verses 19 and following, and they are. Firstly, that our sins will be wiped out. Secondly, that times of refreshing will come from the Lord. And thirdly, that God will send Jesus, his Messiah, to us. This is the glorious completion and fulfilment of the promises of God to his people, starting out with Abraham right up up to us today. Let's briefly look at these three points. The reality, that is the spiritual reality, is that we're all spiritual failures, unable to rescue ourselves from the huge problem that is our sin against God. If we will repent and turn to God, the Lord Jesus will wipe out our sins. This will remove the penalty from us and free us to be able to relate appropriately to God. What a relief to be rid of all the baggage we previously carried around and instead to be free to enjoy God's favour and his presence forever. The times of refreshing, which Peter is referring to, are those times when we are assured of our place with Jesus in the new creation which he has inaugurated. The blessing of knowing that we are forgiven, redeemed. And already enjoying the benefits of fellowship with others, which will be made perfect when Jesus comes again, those benefits are massive. While others will be worried about things on earth, such as their health, their possessions, their families and their friends, we can look forward to eternal blessing in Jesus Christ. Not to say that we're not considerate and careful with those people and things that the Lord has blessed us with now. However, our major focus is looking ahead to the final consummation. We seek to lay up treasure in heaven and hold lightly to all things here on earth. Thirdly, we look forward in eager anticipation and seek to speed the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ when final consummation of God's perfect plan will be revealed to all people everywhere. We focus on God's purposes and live our lives in the light of these. So there we have our third and final point, which is that Jesus offers spiritual healing to all who repent and come to God. Before I conclude, I'd I'd like very briefly just to look at who we think we are in this account. Perhaps you see yourself as one of the onlookers cut to the heart by what Peter has said. Or perhaps as yourself as brave Peter, laying out everything in clinical fashion and risking the anger of the crowd with those blunt words. Now let me suggest that we are all, at various stages, actually the lame beggar, initially lame and subsequently healed. Before we receive Christ, we're desperate, excluded from God's presence, we can't enter the temple, and we're also clueless, asking for money just to try to survive, not aware of our true spiritual needs. When we receive Christ, we're the healed beggar, standing up with strong feet and ankles, holding on to Peter and John, not quite sure what to do, how to respond, how to proceed. When we start to grow in Christ, to appreciate how we've been saved and rescued, changed from hopelessness into a new vibrant and eternal being, then we respond with gratefulness, with jumping, walking, praising God, telling others. All of this is not just physical, but most importantly, it's spiritual. That is the transformation which matters. By repenting and turning to God, we receive those precious times of refreshment and that hope which comes from knowing we will be with our Lord and Saviour forever when he comes to bring everything to conclusion. We don't just keep this to ourselves, but we walk, we run, we jump, we praise God and we tell others to the honour of God's name and for his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent the Lord Jesus to rescue us from our state of exclusion from your presence and being under your wrath. Thank you for sending your precious Son, your Messiah, your anointed King and Ruler to die for us, to take the punishment which we deserved. We pray that more and more people will honestly acknowledge their rejection of you and their rebellion against you. We pray that more and more people will repent and turn to you in genuine and heartfelt repentance, accepting the truth about their rebellion and so benefiting from their sins being wiped out, receiving those times of refreshment from you and receiving the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, as the Lord of their lives. Show us the part you're calling us to play in the extension of your kingdom and equip us with boldness and determination to play that part faithfully, obeying everything which you have commanded us through your Holy Spirit to do. We ask this for the honour and glory of your name. Amen.
3: Good morning. Shall we turn to the Lord in prayer? Lord, we want to remember this morning those who are going back to school and university after a remarkably long break of about six months. It will be strange for them, many things will be different. And we really pray, Lord, that they will know your presence with them at this difficult time. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray also for those who are going off to university or school for the very first time. And we pray for those in our fellowship that that is the case for. We pray that you'd be with those going off to university. And we pray for Eden, especially as she goes off to school for the first time this month. There may be others that I can't name, but be with them all, I pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, there are so many areas of the world where there is unrest at the moment where there is discontent, Belarus and in the USA and many other places where people are protesting about Black Lives Matter, which has developed into many other things and is almost being used as a means of having a protest. Lord, I pray for your peace and your wisdom to prevail in these situations that many people will Realise that prayer can answer many things, more than violent protests. So I pray for your peace to reign in these different areas. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we think locally as well. We pray for Matt and for the team as they start planning from the services for September onwards. September is often a a new time of the year because it's a new school year and you look towards the next few months and Christmas. And with this COVID pandemic going on, it's a very, very strange time for all of us. And I really pray that for each one of us, for Matt, for the lay readers, for others in leadership positions, that you would help every single one of us who's a member of St John's and beyond, To remember, Lord, that you are in charge, you are looking after us, and you do have a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. And help us, Lord, to keep close to you and to do your will each day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we think of those people who have been recipients of the food boxes that we've been doing over the last few months, We've stopped now. This Thursday was the last one. And we pray for all those people who still are in difficult financial positions. We pray, Lord, that we have done what we can to refer them on to the right organisation to get the help that they need. For those who are in the throes of getting benefits sorted out, would you bless them? Would you help them to get the things done that they need to get done to get their circumstances as good as they can be? Lord, would you be with those people as well, that they would think about the love of God that we trust, that we have shown as we've delivered food parcels to them? And that the contacts we've made, Lord, will mean that they will come to things at St John's or to come into a relationship with you, Lord, through the love that they've had shown to them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, Lord, I pray for each one of us that you would help us to be good witnesses to you each day. Be with us, with the people that we meet. Help us to show your love and help us to remember Lord that we have you with us as we go through each day. Lord in your mercy hear our prayer.
0: Well it may be that uh, this week's been a difficult week, a testing week, we've uh, perhaps we've let each other down or we've uh, sort of gone further than we should have or, or done things that we ought not to have done and it's great it's great just to be able to keep short accounts with our Heavenly Father, reminding that he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but he is overflowing in abundance with his forgiveness. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence and through weakness and through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. It's my privilege as a minister of the gospel to pronounce forgiveness. Almighty God who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon us. Pardon and deliver us from all our sins. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness and keep us in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So as we close this morning, I've just loved using this prayer lately. It's been really helpful. Father, help me to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help me give myself away to others, being kind to everyone I meet. Spirit, help me seek and save the lost, proclaiming Christ in all I do and say. Amen.